Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And if you're anything like me, well, you're probably wondering how you wound up doing so many YouTube videos. But also, you might have turned on your PlayStation the other day and seen that you couldn't access anything that had any online or remote functionality because the PlayStation Network had changed its terms, probably to get a little bit more ready for the release of the PlayStation 5 next month. But if you've been in virtual legality for any period of time, you know that we love to talk about terms and conditions here. And so with that change, I wanted to talk about them with you today. I also wanted to give a hat tip to PlayStation Discourse on Twitter, at Reddit PS, that runs some of the Reddit PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4 fan boards, and that has invited me to uh, join them and talk about various of these things and asked me to talk about these terms and conditions. So if we look at this, we can see that this has been formatted in a brand new way, right? We've got pictures everywhere. We've got all these various things. And ordinarily, when I look at new terms of service, new terms and conditions for one of these companies, I go back to the old version and I compare it so that we can see what language changes were specifically made. As a lawyer, really every law firm in the country has the ability to redline documents against one another to see what changes were made. But because of the massive change in formatting, the change in approach that PlayStation and Sony pursued with this document, the red line for these terms of service winds up looking a little bit like this, right? Where you have these massive changes. All of this from the old terms of service gets removed. All of this gets added back in. And it really doesn't help us to nail down what the changes were because almost everything outside of these brand new pictures is something that doesn't compare to what was there before. Now, we can see in some odd places what they changed in terms of the definitions, the language that they're using. Just in terms of this account creation and security provision, we can see all information provided during account used to be called registration. Now it's called creation. Must be truthful and accurate. We've kicked truthful out because accurate covers it. We reserve the right to cancel. Nope, now we reserve the right to terminate, etc., etc. But because this document and my usual methodology for talking to you all about these kinds of things doesn't work, I think what winds up being the best approach to looking at these terms of service as presented now in October of 2020 is to kind of go over them holistically. Maybe you've never bothered to read any of this when you click immediately through so that you can get to your next game of Crash 4 or Star Wars Squadrons or whatever it is that you're playing on your PlayStation right now. And so you've never really taken a look at this, and hopefully we can just kind of talk about these things, what this does. A lot of this is normal. A lot of this is fairly traditional, what we might call boilerplate language. But Sony and PlayStation have made some tweaks that I don't think are that great. And ultimately, at the end of the day, one of the purposes of virtual legality, this channel in general, is to talk to you about terms of service, talk to you about the fact that Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo has the right to make these contract terms in the United States at the very least, but that you should know what's in them so that you know what to complain about if there's something in here that you don't like. And there are things in here that I personally don't like. So with that as the background, let's talk about these terms of service. So we start with section one. This is what this agreement does. This controls your access to the PlayStation Network and the content that you receive on the PlayStation Network. We also see the first capitalized phrase here, which is what is highlighted that is important to you. There's a binding arbitration clause. You can't sue them in court. You have to arbitrate your disputes with them. 
and you waive the right to form a class action, to form a class of PlayStation players that have this particular problem and are suing Sony altogether, that you are waiving that by contract and you're agreeing to binding arbitration and some jurisdictions aren't going to allow that. And they also say, note, depending on where you reside, you may have rights under applicable local laws that cannot be limited or waived. Nothing in this agreement limits any such rights under those local laws, right? Which makes sense. At the end of the day, when we talk about contracts, they always have a provision like this that basically says, look, we have asserted what we think our rights are, what we think your rights should be. But just for the record, judge, if this ever comes up later, we weren't trying to do anything illegal. And so you can read this contract as going to the maximal extent permitted by local and applicable laws. We're not trying to do anything problematic. In addition to this terms of service and user agreement, the following terms apply and form part of your contract with us. The software license agreement, the system software license agreement, the the operating system, how the actual PlayStation functions, all applicable software product license agreements. That's your end user license agreements. If you're currently playing Crash 4, it's about time. You are now familiar with Activision's 34 pages that you actually have to click through one by one to accept in order to play the video game that you otherwise thought you purchased. And that's pretty normal, although Activision makes you go through a few more steps than some of the other companies. But those are also applicable to your use of content on the PlayStation Network. And the PlayStation Network, whether it delivered it to you by selling you the game license or whether it's just helping you functionally do multiplayer and things along those lines. By accepting this agreement, you affirm that you're 18 years old, that you've read this agreement, that you understand it, and also that you have reviewed our privacy policy, right? Which also got updated here in October of 2020. And I'm not sure that one has been talked about as much because it was just incorporated through a simple click-through of the main line agreement. So this goes out and says what we now expect from a privacy policy. What do we collect? We collect registration information. We collect purchases. We collect technical and customer support information, other business processes that we use. In addition, we collect the information that you provide by entering it into our service features. For example, when you want to post in a forum, you provide us the content for that post. Sure. Likewise, when you use other features such as voice or text messaging, blog surveys, user-generated content, activity streams, or social media, we may first collect the information you enter into the feature, which is worth noting when we talk about all this stuff and certainly when we go back to the terms of service. If you aren't familiar with how these platforms operate, Sony is saying here that what you put into it, whether that's a text message saying, hey, you are terrible at Mortal Kombat, my guy, or whether you made that vocally in something that was transmitted through the PlayStation Network, Sony is collecting those things and has certain rights to them that they assert here and in their terms of service. They also collect things automatically. We collect automatic and passive information about your use of the services. We may automatically collect information about the device and the app, content and ads downloaded, information about how you use the software installed on your device, such as date and time of use, what games or music you play, what content you browse, share or download, what services you access, and for how long. And and then what can they do with this information? They can use it to help them operate their services. That makes sense, right? We want Sony to be able to operate the PlayStation Network and the PlayStation ecosystem in general. They can use it to help develop their services. Also makes sense. They can use it for marketing and advertising. This is where people start to get a little bit sensitive, right? We may target and personalize our marketing communications 
purchase recommendations and advertisements that we display on our and third-party websites and services, including the PlayStation Network, based on the information we have collected about you. Now, we can also share that information with partners, financial organizations for purposes of credit cards, game publishers, such as the content you have purchased from PlayStation Store, so that they can deliver that content to you in-game and ensure your entitlement to access that content is reflected across different gaming platforms. Again, sounds like something we probably want. Other service application or website providers, security and fraud partners, and then advertising and promotional partners with whom we are jointly delivering services or features such as sweepstakes, contests, promotions, or advertising. Now that with whom we are is doing some work there. This bullet point doesn't actually say that Sony can just take your information and sell it to advertising and promotional partners. Now, they might still yet do that through some other ambiguities in this language, but they aren't really claiming that right right here. What they are saying is that Sony and a third party can agree to sell Mountain Dew on the PlayStation Network, and because they know person X and person Y would like Mountain Dew, that they can work together and that they can tell Mountain Dew that person X and person Y exists and that they can target those ads on the PlayStation Network. Maybe that still makes you uncomfortable, but it's not just selling your data like maybe a Facebook or someone else uh, might be doing. They can also send it to the rest of the Sony group, right? For this purpose, Sony is Sony, and so they can send your information to the rest of the Sony group as they describe it for purposes related to providing you with content, products, or services, including games, videos, music, software, and software applications, and all this other good stuff because, hey, that's what we want to do. They also reserve the right to move it to business transfer partners if they ever decide to sell, you know, the Sony PlayStation business unit. They have to be able to give all of the intellectual property that they have collected as part of that business unit to the prospective purchaser. And you get certain rights with respect to these kinds of things. You get some buttons to collect and to hit. You don't have to allow them to give you this personalized marketing. It says they still will always slightly customize what you see. Like they don't want to show you things that you've already purchased. They don't want to recommend that you purchase them again. But you can turn off most of the personalized content and marketing if you want, which should, I think, get most people where they need to go on questions like this. But it's still worth noting, and privacy policies aren't something that a lot of people just read through on the regular. So hopefully this has been a little bit informative on that policy because when you click on that button to play Crash 4 or whatever it is you're playing on your PlayStation, you have accepted this privacy policy regardless of whether or not you read it. Continuing to section two, they talk about what the services and content actually are. These are defined terms, right? Whenever you see a parenthetical, whenever you see quotation marks, whenever you see something in bold, this is a term that incorporates what they just said. And when you see it referenced without all of this stuff later on in the document, when you look for those capitalized words, they're incorporating everything else that they said. So the PSN services are the PlayStation Network, PlayStation Store, PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Music, PlayStation Video, PlayStation Now, PlayStation Direct, and everything else we might otherwise provide to you through the PlayStation Network, which, okay, that's fine. The PlayStation, the PSN content is the games, music, movies, and services, including PlayStation Network services and third-party services that you get through the PlayStation Network, right? It includes virtual currency, vouchers, virtual communities, digital products, and content through PSN. It's everything that you buy. It's everything that you got an entitlement to or a license to through the PlayStation Network. So services is the thing itself. Content is what you buy. And it's also worth noting that Sony says, hey, we don't endorse anything that we might have promoted or marketed to you on the PlayStation Network. Hey, just because we're accepting that Mountain Dew money doesn't mean that we're endorsing Mountain Dew. Shouldn't be confused about that. 
Okay, Sony. Section three, account creation and security. Now, this is going to get to some questions people regularly ask me about VPNs and putting different regional information on there. All information provided during account creation must be accurate. So according to Sony, you're not allowed to tell the Sony PlayStation Network that you are living on some street in Tokyo in order to get access to that Japanese demo. Now, they probably don't care at the end of the day. The real politic here is it probably doesn't bother them too much. But whenever we get to a section in these terms of service and you say, hmm, maybe that could be a problem for me, it's worth noting that Sony basically reserves the right to terminate an account really for any reason, but also specifically on a breach of this document such that you need to be careful and cautious when you've got maybe a lot of digital items or a lot of digital licenses in one of these accounts because Sony turning that off could really harm you in a way that maybe isn't the same in the world of physical media purchasing these video games on disc. We reserve the right to terminate any account that uses or was created using false information. During account creation, they then note, you must select the region in which your account will be registered in And that has to be accurate, and we reserve the right to terminate it if it was false. Something worth noting. They also reserve the right to deny the creation of any account for any reason in its sole discretion. They can just decide, hey, they don't like people that live in Michigan. No more Michiganders are going to get rights to the accounts, and sorry about that. That's just the way it's going to be. Obviously, in the digital ecosystem, these are things that you should be at least cognizant of, if not concerned about, because Sony turning off your account access can have significant negative ramifications for the money that you invested in their ecosystem. Section four talks about child accounts and parental controls. Not a lot here that's terribly unusual until we get down to this kind of concept of loot boxes and buying and what happens when the child gets access to the credit card, et cetera, et cetera. So the first thing we note is that you are allowed to set a child account limit on your wallet and it starts at zero dollars. They're not allowed to buy anything. But if you put any money on that child account, here's what Sony says about it. It says, if you choose to increase the spending limit, you are representing that your child understands that they will be charged the listed price for any purchase they make. You are agreeing that you approve of their ability to make purchases through their account, and you are agreeing to pay for all purchases up to the approved monthly spending limit. So when you put that down, it doesn't matter whether Junior then goes and buys Doom Eternal with it. Sony will have deemed you to have given the permission to spend that money out of that wallet without really any other buttons to press, any other notifications that they have to give. I don't think that's unusual. I don't think that's really untowards, but it's worth noting if you're a parent because you really don't have a step after setting that limit to stop them from using that money for most things that they might otherwise want to buy that you might not like. Sony doubles down on that by saying you are responsible for the use of your account by your children or others that may have access to it or to your PlayStation device. You're responsible for them trying to get around some of these news articles that say, oh, the child got access to my account and bought 40,000 Fortnite V-Bucks. And Sony says, okay, well, that's not our problem. Now, in the world of public relations, it might well be, but this document is trying to set a legal standard that they could fight you on in court or more specifically in arbitration if it came to it. It also says with respect to children that you are responsible as the parent for explaining these terms to your child especially the community code of conduct in section five, which is really long. And we're going to take a look at in just a second, but it's the list of you may not, you should not, you will not on our service. And it's got a lot of ambiguous language that gives Sony a lot of power. Code of conduct. 
So PSN is for everyone, regardless of race, gender identity, sexual orientation, ethnicity, nationality, color, immigration status, social and economic class, educational level, size, family status, political belief, religion, and mental and physical ability or any other attribute that people use to label others or divide communities. Any attribute people use to divide communities. Significant. In order to keep PSN the best place to play for everyone, it is important for all our users to respect the rights of others and refrain from misuse. Accordingly, when you create an account, you agree that you and your child, if you're using a child account, as we just talked about, will follow the rules set forth below. Now, before we get into these, we're going to go over these pretty quickly. But before we get into these, it's important to note that a violation of these terms can be used by Sony to kill your account. And so that means when we're evaluating these kinds of things, it's worthwhile to note when there are ambiguities, even if you agree with the overall thrust of the rule. And I think most of these rules are perfectly reasonable on their face. You have to kind of be cognizant of that ambiguity because having ambiguous power in something like Sony now moving more towards digital, selling an entire hardware model with the PlayStation 5 digital edition that allows you only to purchase digital things through the PlayStation network, that these can be potentially more problematic. People could lose a lot of assets uh, based on mercurial and arbitrary decision-making by some Sony bureaucrat somewhere in the world. So we start with 5.1. Do not organize hate groups or use or promote hate speech. Now, the big issue there is use hate speech. Uh, hate speech, as uh, anyone knows, around the world through various jurisdictions is going to differ in different locales at the first point, is also going to differ in the minds of different individuals at various levels. There's clearly certain things you can say that are fairly obvious for traditional hate speech, but there's a big gray area there that I think if you're Sony, that you're going to be able to enforce this rule against your users, and users need to be careful if they're operating in that gray area, because if Sony decides to make an example out of you, boom, you lose all 20, 2,500 games that you might have on the PlayStation 5 digital or elsewhere. So it's worth noting uh, in respect to those kinds of things. Don't threaten, harm, bully, harass, troll, or stalk anyone. Do not create, upload, stream, or share any images, audio, or other content or communication that is racist or offensive to any ethnicity, gender identity, sexual orientation, nationality, or religion. So those classes that they really talked about above. Offensive to is, of course, another kind of broad kind of concept, but, you know, be kind, be cognizant, be nice on the PlayStation Network isn't really a bad rule to have. But then we get into something kind of questionable, right? If you remember, we did a video where we talked about Xbox, we talked about Microsoft putting up some of their terms of service, really their community guidelines about what was acceptable smack talk and what wasn't. And for the most part, Microsoft made some interesting choices, but they basically said smack talk is okay if it's aimed at the game performance. What you did, hey, I'm going to knock you down at Mortal Kombat, or I'm going to take you out at FIFA or Madden. This rule 5.3 says that Sony says you agree that you won't disparage anyone based on their mental or physical ability, appearance or other personal trait. I think appearance or other personal trait, probably okay. But when we actually talk about the process of playing video games, I think you have to ask the question, does this aim itself at eliminating smack talk on the PlayStation Network entirely? Which is obviously not something that PlayStation or Sony can do. It's probably not even something that they want to do. They're reserving the right to potentially bring penalties against those that engage in it. But when you say you agree not to disparage anyone based on their physical ability, does that incorporate, wow, you really are terrible at Madden, dude? 
Uh, it's an open question, and certainly I've gotten notes and texts and voice messages on my PlayStation Network account that are significantly more, let's say, boisterous uh, than those examples that I just gave you. And while I wouldn't report them and I wouldn't have a significant problem with that, you do have to ask yourself when you get to rules like this whether or not that's going to be a long-term problem. Do not create content or communication that is lewd. Okay, another ambiguous term. What is lewd matters between jurisdictions. Are we talking about what Sony thinks is lewd, what Japan thinks is lewd, what the United States thinks is lewd, what China thinks is lewd? We have all these questions uh, that pop up with these kinds of things. And one of the things that we'll note here and elsewhere is that this isn't really targeted to any applicable jurisdiction of law. It's just generalized. So when I ask that rhetorical question, who is it lewd to? The answer is Sony. But what standards are Sony going to use? That's unclear. Do not threaten acts of violence. Same kind of thing. Don't like acts of violence. But if we talk about it rhetorically in the concept of smack talk, is that something that's going to be punished? Hard to say. Do not defame or spread lies about anyone. So defamation is illegal. So if you're complying with applicable law, that's that's a problem in and of itself. Spreading lies about anyone. I, I don't want to see PlayStation Network doing that, I guess. But it's a little bit interesting to have as a rule here. Do not reveal personal information about another person, sure, but also about yourself. So if you're friends with someone and you want to share the email through the PlayStation Network, not only should you not do it, which I recommend, don't do it, it's actually a violation of their code of conduct to do it, something that can get you terminated and have you lose access to all your items and V-Bucks and everything else. Do not share accounts, account details, or other account credentials, sure. Do not use any bugs, glitches, vulnerabilities, or unintentional mechanics in content, now, this is one of those open kind of philosophical questions, right? That's all well and good when we're talking about multiplayer. What about single player? What about something that doesn't really have a significant online component? Remember, content is something that you got from the PlayStation Network. So if you're playing it on the PlayStation 5 Digital, it is content because you had to download it from the PSN. And so you're not allowed to use a glitch in Kingdoms of Amalur that gets you infinite money because why? Now, I also want to take a step back here to point out that Sony isn't interested in making all of your lives miserable, right? They're a company that wants to make money, wants to sell you PlayStations, wants to sell you content, wants you active on the PlayStation Network. So at a fundamental level, they don't want to use these rules to just make trouble for you. And that's an important thing to note. But from a legal perspective, when I talk to my clients about the parade of horribles, the many things that can happen under a contract that are bad, that's what we're doing here is saying, okay, look, this is pretty broad. Do not use glitches or any unintentional mechanics in content really should be aimed at multiplayer, right? That disadvantages someone, that is unfair to the other users using the network. But it's not limited to that. And this is only one of the places where we will see in this language that it isn't really properly limited the way I would like to see if this document were negotiated. Do not upload viruses. I think we can all agree. Do not use non-licensed peripherals is interesting, right? Can't use any non-licensed controllers or power packs that uh, connect to the PlayStation 5. I think some or all of you probably use at least some components that are not properly licensed. Sony says, don't do that. And if you do, we could potentially terminate your PlayStation Network account. Do not make available methods designed to encourage or enable collection, selling, or trading of PlayStation Network content, as well as cheats and other things that are more obvious. I pointed this particular bit of language out because this is another interesting place, right? Do not make available methods designed to encourage collection of games on PlayStation Network. It's a little bit odd, right? Can I run a website that says here are the sales that are on the PlayStation Network that's encouraging collection of PSN content? Doesn't 
mean what you mean it to mean, but it is the kind of thing that can be pulled into this language. And again, this happens with all these terms of service from all these companies. Sony is not a specific bad guy here. We went over the Ubisoft terms. We talked about this. We've gone over various other terms. I think we looked at the Blizzard terms of conditions, and this happens as well. But it's still worth noting when it does happen, especially with a platform provider, because you really do have these very negative ramifications if they decide to bring up something under these rules against you. Do not attempt to hack or reverse engineer any code. Do not cause disruption to or modify or damage any account. Do not send spam. Do not upload or share content that could be harmful to SIE, right? Now, they actually reference in with respect to this harmfulness concept that they're talking about viruses, things that will damage the property. But harmful doesn't necessarily limit itself to that. So what is harmful to SIE? Can I put up a text message or a social media bubble that says, Sony's terms of service are bad. Can I do that? Is that harmful to SIE? These are the kinds of things you should be asking yourself. Do not engage in, promote, or facilitate activity that infringes the rights of any third party or violates any law or regulation or contractual or fiduciary obligations. Now, this overall is a perfectly normal thing to say. To say to your end users, you will comply with the law. But it's broader than usual in that it doesn't necessitate that the law they are talking about is the one that is applicable to you in your jurisdiction. So there are things that we do here in Michigan, in the United States, talking on virtual legality through YouTube that are undoubtedly a violation of some draconian totalitarian law, whether that's in China or North Korea or somewhere else that you want to think about, Russia, I don't care. There's some law somewhere that I'm violating right now just by talking about these things to you, but it doesn't mean that it should be a problem for the PlayStation Network. Usually what you would see here is applicable local, state, federal laws to you, not to any law in the world. Infringes the rights of any third party or violates any law or regulation. That's not written correctly. Sony doesn't even want it to be written this way. This is just kind of an oversight of what they did, but I note that if we actually go and we could find it in here, when I was looking at the various changes in this document, they used to say, talking about the applicable laws to you, your local and state laws, and they no longer do that. So this is broadened out. It's also worth noting that they talk about infringement, that you won't infringe on the rights of a third party. And we're also going to talk about streaming as part of these terms and conditions because Sony doesn't really give you the rights to stream any of the content. You would have to go get those rights from the actual end user license agreements with the various companies. And that means if you don't have those rights, that technically if you're streaming even through their own share button or their own live services, that could potentially be an infringement of a third party's rights and get you in trouble with respect to the PlayStation Network. You won't steal anyone's identity or engage in fraudulent, deceptive, or misleading practices. Now, again, Parade of Horribles time, engaging in deceptive practices is hiding your play in Madden, right? And no, Sony's not ever going to do anything about that. They're really concerned about stealing anyone's identity, doing things that are illegal. But if you're really concerned about things that are illegal, you only need a provision that says, I agree not to do things that are illegal. And then you don't get all of this other ambiguous extra language. And Sony wants it because they want to be able to use it if somebody they don't like or something that isn't directly covered under the language that they've provided would be covered under this umbrella language. But that doesn't mean that we as users of technology and things like PlayStation have to like it. Do not create an account profile or online ID for PSN that violates the code of conduct. Do not submit false grief reports. 
And then one of the really big ones, do not be rude to our employees. Understand, if you are rude to a PlayStation employee, to a Sony employee, or their agent, or their representative, really anywhere, then you could potentially lose access to your account and whatever money that you've invested in it. This is a broadening of the kind of concepts that they had in their prior code of conduct. And it's one that we have seen elsewhere. I believe Ubisoft's Terms of Service has this similar kind of concept, which is all well and good. I think we should all be striving to act in a comatous manner, to be acting with respect towards each other. But should they be able to have on their side of things the sword of Damocles, a button to turn off all your access to all of your video games, if they deem you to be rude, I have certain issues with that. And I have certain issues with that, especially if something bad happens on the Sony side of things. They lose your license information. They've created a problem. They haven't protected your data properly, whatever it might be. I don't recommend being rude, but if you are strident, if you are perhaps, oh, I don't know, a lawyer having these conversations, what some other people might conceive of as rude might not be intended that way. And while we can always do better, I don't know that they should necessarily be able to turn off your account if they deem you to be rude. If you do act rudely, in addition to any other actions we may take under this agreement, we may restrict you to contacting us by email or refuse to provide you with any further customer support. If they determine that you were rude, they can just ignore you. Even if you have legitimate grievances about their hardware, their software, the delivery of the services, etc. I don't think that's a great precedent to set. I don't think that's the kind of thing that we should be accepting in our terms of service, period. And that's why I highlighted it for you here. Violations of our code of conduct may result in moderation action taken against your account or your PlayStation devices. See section 12 for more information. We will get there. Section 12 says they can terminate whatever they like. Talking about section six now, user information and user generated content. This is the stuff that you make for them. We may provide functionality allowing you to share information relating to your presence on PSN in including your name, sign-in ID, online ID, profile, pictures, friends list, communications and interactions, including by voice, activities and information on your gameplay, purchases made, and content viewed. They call this the defined term user information. Now keep track of this because they're going to make some very broad assertions about all of this stuff, most specifically in terms of concern communications and interactions, including by voice. You may have an opportunity to share or permit us to share your user information relating to your account or activities on PSN via a third-party service. Now, they then talk about these third-party services, but then give a blanket sentence right to themselves. You hereby authorize us to use, distribute, copy, display, and publish your user information without payment to you. Now, I think a reasonable context for this term suggests that they need this right here in order to facilitate your desire to share information through third-party services. And to the extent that's true, this is perfectly normal. But as a lawyer, what you would usually see here in this sentence is that for the purpose of facilitating this stuff above or limited only to doing these kinds of things, you authorize us to do this. That is not contained in this sentence. This is a completely separate legal sentence to this paragraph over here, which means that including your communications and interactions by executing this particular terms and conditions with Sony and PlayStation, you are authorizing them to distribute, copy, display, and publish your user information without payment to you. So they can take your voice recordings on PlayStation Network, put them in a commercial, 
and not pay you a darn thing. Do whatever they want with it. Copy, display, publish, and you don't get paid. The next kind of provision has a similar concept. You agree that any third party may record, use, and distribute your information for any reason without any restrictions or compensation to you. Any third party outside of Sony may record and distribute your information for any reason. If you do not want your information to be used, recorded, or distributed, please do not use the PlayStation, the PlayStation Network at the bare minimum, but in general, in the digital age, the PlayStation at all. You agree that any third party may record your sign-in ID, your online ID, your profile, your pictures, your friends list, your communications, your activities, your information, your purchases, your content viewed, and they can distribute it for any reason without restriction. What is this doing here, right? What is this doing at all? Now, again, look, this is my job, right? If this is your first time in virtual legality, welcome. But this is my job to talk about the various bad things that happen in this language. I do not legitimately think that Sony will be in the business of just moving out your information and sending out your voice recordings for any purpose and allowing third parties to just get in there and tape whatever they want because there would be a public relations backlash like Sony has never seen before with people concerned about data privacy in 2020. But as a lawyer, it is worth noting that in yellow here, you have given them vast rights to virtually every bit of information that you use on the PlayStation Network. And at bare minimum, as you use that PlayStation Network, you should be cognizant of the fact that these rights have been given up by you to Sony, and that if you don't like it, your only recourse is to not use the darn thing. In respect of what we actually think of as user-generated content, rather than just our user ID and maybe the text that we exchange, Sony notes the following. We may provide functionality that allows you to create, post, or transmit content such as text, messages, comments, screenshots, pictures, photographs, voice music, video streams, gameplay, and game-related information, and other materials created by you or others and or shared by you or others via PSN or select third-party services. Now, I talked about this already. We're going to comment on streams in particular. But note what this sentence says. It says, we may provide functionality. We can give you a share button. We can do these various things through our software that allows you to do them. If you use them, you give certain rights to us and you make certain promises. The rights you give are as follows. By utilizing such functionality, you grant SIE a royalty-free, perpetual, global license to use, distribute, copy, modify, display, and publish your UGC for any reason without further notice or payment to you or any third parties. So you've got this copyright. You've got this intellectual property right in this stream that you made or in this picture that you made and you put up on the PlayStation Network. When you do that, Sony reserves the right to do whatever it wants with anything you sent through the PlayStation Network without notifying you, without paying you. You further authorize Sony to sublicense its rights to any third party, including its affiliates. Sure, someone else in Sony, but maybe Gearbox or Activision or Electronic Arts. They can sublicense what you did on the PlayStation Network to anybody they like. You also promise them the following. By creating, posting, streaming, or transmitting any UGC, you represent and warrant, that's legal for promise, that you have the appropriate rights to use, create, post, distribute, and transmit that UGC and to grant the foregoing license to us because we want to put those pictures that you made on t-shirts. And that doing so does not infringe the rights of any third party or violate any law 
Again, violate any law, right? You put a picture up on PlayStation Network that says free Hong Kong, you are violating China's national security law. So can you do it through the PlayStation Network? Open question. I guess we'll see after some folks try it in the near future, right? So Sony is reserving these rights, saying that you are promising that they comply with all these laws, that you have the rights to do them, which means that you have to go get the rights to do things like video game streams, and that might be its own issue. Now in section seven, we're talking about the virtual wallet. They say wallet funds have no value outside the PlayStation Network. Funds added to the PlayStation Network wallet are non-refundable and non-transferable except where the law requires. We have no obligation to reverse or refund unauthorized charges made using any payment method to fund the wallet. Now that's interesting in and of itself, right? Somebody steals your credit card and I guess your PlayStation Network account at the same time, funds your wallet with that credit card. They don't have an obligation to reverse or refund unauthorized charges. The reason that's interesting is if the charges are unauthorized by acknowledgement, it's an open question as to whether this kind of contract language can actually get them out of liability, if they can recognize them as unauthorized. It's worth noting, however, that this language here was all in the current version of the terms of service. Everything that you're currently playing on PlayStation already has these kinds of rules, but it's still worthwhile to note. In talking about the PlayStation Store in Section 8, they just comment and say this is where you can buy the game, subscriptions, virtual currency, other digital content. Uh, You might be asked to link to a third party. You might have an Electronic Arts account or a Ubisoft account that requires it to be linked even after you purchase the license. If you unlink the third-party account from your account for PSN or if your third-party account is closed, you may lose access to the product. Sure. By completing a transaction through your account, you agree to pay for it. You agree to the terms of this agreement, including any applicable usage terms or third-party terms associated with use of the particular product. Now, note what this actually accomplishes from a legal perspective, right? So we just talked about Crash 4 at the top of this video where I said I had to click through all of this end-user license agreement stuff in order to play the game. Let's say that I was reading that and I disagreed with something in it. Under 8.3 here, I have already agreed to the usage terms as far as Sony is concerned. This is how Sony winds up telling you that you don't get any kind of refunds because you should have read this thing in advance before buying something from them digitally. Now, is that reasonable? I would argue that it's not, that there probably should be an instance where you say, hey, yes, I downloaded the game. I saw in the middle of Activision's 34 pages of privacy policy or what have you, that they had something in there that I didn't like. I'm not going to play the game. I'm not agreeing to that agreement. Sony, give me my money back. And reasonable minds would suggest that that should be a process that all parties should be willing to engage in. Sony says no. Sony says go find that end user license agreement elsewhere. Maybe we'll put a link in the PlayStation Network store. I doubt it. And when you pay us money, you have already agreed to any applicable usage terms. You're also saying you're not going to sell this thing. You may be, you must be an end user to purchase from PlayStation Store. When you order content from PlayStation Store, you buy a personal license to use the content for private non-commercial use. This means you can use a product in the ways described in the license, but do not own the product. So as far as Sony is concerned, the only thing you are getting is a personal license for private non-commercial use. What does that mean? It means, again, that when we talk about streaming on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook, that there is an open question as to whether or not you have the actual rights to do that. And that question is really only going to be answerable by looking at things like that end user license agreement for Crash or whatever other game that you wind up playing. And if you don't get the rights to display or perform publicly or to otherwise stream, however that might be described, 
then you probably are infringing on that copyright. And all of these very bad things for potentially infringing or violating their code of conduct or not complying with applicable law could be brought up against you if, for whatever reason, the developer or the publisher made Sony aware of the fact. Cancellations and refunds. All purchases from the PlayStation Store are final and non-refundable, except as stated in this agreement or the then current PlayStation Store cancellation policy. Now, if we go to that cancellation policy, it's got a bunch of words here, but for the most part, all that matters is in yellow. Digital content that you have started downloading or streaming and in-game consumables that have been delivered are not eligible for a refund unless the content is faulty. When you started downloading that game, regardless of whether or not you had seen the end user license agreement, you can't get a refund from the PlayStation Network. And maybe you can convince somebody at Sony to give you a refund on a one-off basis or otherwise talk them through this. But from a contractual standpoint, they have said you don't get a refund from the moment you started downloading. And to me, that isn't great, right? If we're moving into a digital ecosystem, there should be more consideration given, especially if you're going to have multiple levels of licenses that people really should be reading, even if we all know at a baseline level that they are not. Continuing on, we've got a lot more talk about these various kinds of things. We see in virtual items that virtual items may be modified or removed without notice. That's interesting in and of itself, right? This is Sony reserving these legal rights to themselves. But when you buy a virtual item, when you buy your V-Bucks or whatever it might be, I think you assume that Sony isn't going to modify or remove them. Uh, But there we are. You may make transactions only with the designated SIE regional company that is determined by the country area of residence to which your account is registered. Your country area of residence may be verified by your credit or debit card number and may be rejected if the information does not match, which, as we noted above, would also be a flag for whether or not you've given them fully accurate information on their account and could give Sony the right to do very bad things to you. Access to purchased items. Now, this is one that comes up a lot. I've had these conversations with the Cursed Farms and other people that get upset about the digital ecosystem, and I can't really blame them because of license language like this. Upon our confirmation of your transaction and subject to the applicable usage terms, you may access the PSN content you ordered through the account that you used to complete the order. So far, so good. You are solely responsible if you do not choose to download or access the content before it is removed or your license expires. We are not obligated to provide you with replacement copies for any reason, right? And this is the big fight. If something gets removed, let's just say some big game loses its music rights because they didn't license them properly and they have to pull the game from the store. If you have purchased a license to play that game, can you still go and get it? And most digital storefronts have some workarounds, have an archival mode, have something that you can still go and get if you already have purchased the license, but not always. And what Sony is reserving the right to do here, this language in particular, is if you didn't go get it before it was removed, that's on you. And we aren't obligated to give you a copy of that thing because all you bought from Sony's perspective is the right to download that content based on that license the moment you bought it. And if tomorrow we remove it, well, we're sorry, you should have downloaded it then. And obviously for somebody that's a significant gamer like myself, and you have hundreds of games and various levels and degrees, and you can't keep them all on your hard drive at once, this becomes a potentially big problem, certainly for just archival purposes of what you actually have the rights to. And Sony can just remove these things and say, hey, if you didn't have a copy, uh, that's not our problem. Worth noting, definitely. 
prepaid cards and product codes. SIE or its affiliates may provide prepaid cards that allow users to redeem PSN content or fund the wallet. Now, the reason I highlighted this at all, which is a functional section uh, in this terms of service, is that this is a conversation that happens with respect to loot boxes and gambling that we've had in virtual legality in the past. And it's one of those areas where I think Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo and really everybody else could do well to note that you really shouldn't be allowing prepaid cards, things that you can buy in cash, things that you can get without an adult supervision for these kinds of things that verge on a form of gambling and that have brought all of this hellfire down on the various game publishers and game developers across the globe, really, in these multiple jurisdictions. And that if you limited these things solely to credit cards and solely to actually having a parental box uh, to check, that you might be able to do this with a lot less consternation and a lot less look at regulatory oversight from the various government bodies. Sony has elected not to do that in this section and in these terms of service. And I do question that, uh, but we will see how it plays out over the long term, of course. SIE is not liable for any claims relating to prepaid cards or product codes, including any problems or defects relating to those cards or codes. It doesn't work. Sorry. Go back to the person that sold it to you. Content license and restrictions. So one of the constant refrains here in virtual legality is that you don't buy software, right? That when you get a copy of software, you certainly don't have the rights to, you know, put it up on a big screen and charge a cover charge for people coming in to watch it or to play it themselves. There's all these various things that we understand innately, but that still gets kind of confused because people want to be able to sell them or they want to be able to stream them or they want to be able to do these other things with them. And Sony doesn't help. And a lot of these places don't help. Voodoo doesn't help. Uh, maybe Amazon Prime, wherever it is that you get your digital content doesn't help because they like to use the term buy and sell, right? So Sony has to point out here something that really is significant and that people don't grasp because Sony doesn't want them to grasp it. Use of the terms own ownership, purchase, sale, sold, sell, rent, or buy in this agreement or in connection with PSN content does not mean or imply any transfer of ownership of any content, really, right? Data or software or any intellectual property rights from SIE, its affiliates, or its licensors to any user or third party. We didn't sell you anything. It's a license. We've said that here. We say that elsewhere. And that's perfectly fine, right? I mean, I think we all know it now, but it's interesting that they actually have to call it out. It's also worth noting that this provision right here does not imply the transfer of any intellectual property rights. It's just not true right? They definitely transferred the right to use the copy of this thing. That is a right that is held by the copyright holder. That is what you are buying the license to. So this is actually a little bit too broad, but we can understand what they're getting at. And that's, hey, we're using all this terminology to confuse you, but we don't mean it, which is, you know, true, but interesting. Except as stated in this agreement, all content provided through PSN is licensed on a non-exclusive and revocable basis to you for your personal, private, non-transferable, non-commercial, limited use. Non-commercial, can't run ads. Non-commercial, can't go to the Patreon. Non-commercial, it's for your personal use. It's also worth noting that it's revocable. Usually when we see licenses, we see them as irrevocable. It's unclear exactly what the revocation standards are here, except that maybe they think that they need to say it's revocable because if they turn off your account, you'll lose the rights or at least you'll lose the access point to using this license. You may not sell it. You may not reproduce or transfer it. You may not create any derivative works of the content. Attempt to create the source code from the object code or download stream or use any content for a purpose not expressly permitted herein. Now, in a couple of places, you have heard me talk about streaming. 
you have heard me say that the end user license agreement of something like Crash or any other game that you might otherwise play could give you broader rights. It is worth noting that Sony doesn't actually frame that correctly here. This is a blanket prohibition. You may not create any derivative works of the content, attempt to create the source code from the object code, or download, stream, or use any content for a purpose not expressly permitted herein. In this document, which doesn't have broad streaming rights given to anything. Instead, what we saw in things like the Steam Terms and Conditions, which we looked at very recently when we were talking about whether streaming among us is illegal, is that in, in the Steam side of things, in the Itch.io side of things, there are provisions that say, well, you get these rights, but you might get more in the end user license agreement. Or in respect of Itch.io, it says, if you are using the product, the content, through something that we facilitate, a button that we have through our service, something like the share button on the Sony side of things, then you can use it in that fashion. Sony says, no, it doesn't matter. And they actually specifically disclaim whatever that end user license agreement might say in a way that isn't right. Sony doesn't even mean it this way. Sony isn't trying to kill all streaming here. They're reserving these legal rights themselves. But like we saw above, with respect to things like your user information, this is just written far, far, far too broadly and really unintentionally so to kill streaming before it gets started, even though there are other references in this document to what if you're streaming. And streaming is fine as long as you have the intellectual property rights to do so and you're not in violation of this agreement or applicable law, but you're always going to be in violation of this agreement because of 10.5. 10.7, the limited license granted herein and all use or access to the content is expressly conditioned upon compliance with this stuff, the usage terms, that end user license agreement, and copyright and intellectual property rights laws. Here, they limit it to those that are applicable, which is good, but they don't limit that to applicability elsewhere in the document. Except for the rights expressly granted herein, SIE, its affiliates, and its licensors reserve all rights, interests, and remedies in connection with PSN and PSN content. Again, this is fine. They're allowed to reserve these rights, but they should be saying the licensors especially get to say that they can give more rights, right? If they want to have League of Legends or Minecraft and those companies want to allow streaming, which they do, then they should be able to say that through their usage agreement. And frankly, Sony will probably interpret all of this that way but they didn't say it in the contract. And as a lawyer, that's a problem for me. Now we're going to skip pretty quickly through section 11 here. This is video content. I thought initially this might be talking about streaming, but no, it's not really that. It's recordings or live streams of sports, music, concerts, and other entertainment events, rental purchase, free viewing through PlayStation Network supported by ads. It's their, it's their video content. It's not just video games. It's the movies and television and, and live things that they sell. So we're just going to skip through this because it's not really that pertinent all that often. Uh, but then we get to section 12, which is very, very pertinent pretty often. You may terminate your account at any time by contacting PlayStation support. Great. We may suspend or terminate any PSN account or PlayStation device or indefinitely suspend or discontinue online access to certain network features or services in the event of a violation of this agreement. Okay, that's good. Sony reserves the right to do that if there's a violation. That makes sense. That's why we're all agreeing to these kinds of things. That's why we're discussing the language. Or, uh-oh, as may be reasonably necessary to protect our PSN users, our partners, our platform, or other SIE interests. Uh-oh. Okay. So you reserve the right to terminate my account, access to everything that I have, 
if you determine on your own through your sole discretion that it's necessary to protect you or your partners. What does protect mean in that context? Sure, if we're talking about harm or threats or viruses or Trojan horses or whatever it might be, that makes sense. Is protection, if I have some kind of complaint about your business model, about the way that you are treating politics or uh, the China issue or something else, and I make that known, uh, either on PlayStation Network directly, sure, or through some other mechanism. If I have a YouTube channel and I have a show called Virtual Legality, and I point out the many ways in which the language of your terms of service are perhaps a little bit too broad, are you going to turn around and terminate Rick Hogue's PlayStation Network account and whatever money I have invested in there? Hmm. These are the kinds of things that I look at and say, well, that's a little bit too broad for my liking. And like we saw with respect to the code of conduct itself, where there are ambiguous terms around hate speech and threats uh, and whether or not you're rude to a Sony employee, here you don't even need the ambiguity in the agreement because you've presented an umbrella of ambiguity that says, hey, if we determine that it's necessary to protect ourselves and potentially our economic interests, then we can terminate your account. Hmm. Interesting. After your account is terminated, you will not be able to access PSN. Any game ranking, scores, trophies, virtual items, including virtual currency balances, whether earned or purchased, subscriptions, or other information saved on or requiring connection to PSN will not be retained or accessible, and account termination is irreversible. I'm not sure I believe that, but that's what they've stated in this contract. You will not receive a refund for items. Value accumulated on in-game items or any unused balance in your wallet. If we terminate you, we keep all that money you gave us. You don't get access to the licenses that you bought. You don't get access to the in-game purchases that you have made in those licenses. It's just gone. It's irreversible. Go away. And we've reserved a lot of ambiguous language in this agreement and a lot of ambiguous language just generally to terminate you if we feel like it. So one thing that you should take away if you're watching this video, and thank you for making it almost an hour in at this point, is that you need to be aware that Sony ultimately has the right to really make your life miserable if you've invested a lot of money in the PlayStation service. You also need to be aware, as we said also earlier in this video, that Sony isn't in the business of making people hate them, doesn't want to do this, wants to sell people content, wants to sell people on PlayStation Network. And if you've invested a lot in that, they like you, you're a whale. But they still reserve the right to do this. And in our increasingly fractious political community, both here in the United States and elsewhere abroad, that starts to become something that I think people are justifiably, if not fearful of, at least aware of. And I recommend it here as well. Console suspension. Upon suspension of your device, not just your account, you will not be able to use the console to access PSN play any games or modes requiring online access or access any content that you purchase from the PlayStation Store. You will still be able to play disc games that run on your console if they do not need to connect to PSN to run. This is almost a paragraph written for those of you that are specifically in support of physical purchases, right? But it's worth noting that in 2020 and beyond, there's an increasingly small number of video games that don't need some kind of access to some online component, even if they're not games as a service, as we saw announced with Godfall uh, just the other day. They reserve the right to do maintenance and upgrades. As we talked about above, you agree to binding individual arbitration. If you have a dispute with Sony or any of their officers or people, 
that cannot be resolved through negotiation, you and the Sony entity will have your dispute agreed to seek resolution of that dispute only through arbitration. You can go and seek small claims. That doesn't have to be subject to arbitration. And you can opt out of this, as well as the class action waiver, if you give them a written notice within 30 days of your agreeing to the terms of this agreement. So if you're really interested in it, you really don't want to be a part of arbitration. You really want to be able to form a class with the number of people that would have written in to complain about it, then you can do so by sending in a letter or a postcard or whatever it is with your information to Los Angeles, California and telling Sony that you don't agree that any of these provisions should apply to you. Uh, Class action waiver we just talked about. Uh, Arbitration location, if you have to arbitrate against them, they actually have a more generous arbitration provision than I have seen in other documents. They say, yes, you can arbitrate in San Mateo County, California, where Sony is, or in whatever United States County you reside in, which is nice. That's pretty rare, actually. If we go and we look at Twitters or Facebooks or YouTubes, you can see these various provisions of jurisdiction, whether it's a court or it's an arbitrator, generally is only in the home court of these companies. Sony says, oh, no, we'll come to Southeast Michigan. We'll arbitrate over there. Totally fine with us. But the laws of the state of California will control. And any dispute not subject to arbitration and not initiated in a small claims court may be brought by either party in a court of competent jurisdiction in California itself. So we'll arbitrate where you are, but if we actually have to go to court on this thing, we are going to make you come to us. Finally, and I know this is news to some people, although probably not if they have to click through the changes of the terms of service as they do right now, Sony reserves the right to modify these whenever they want to change the rights and obligations on itself, on its end users, on its third parties, what it can do with your information, the various sentences that we have highlighted today, whenever they want. And your continued use of PSN services, including use by your children on the associated accounts, which calls into question whether or not you actually got notified of the changes, will signify your acceptance of those changes. So we can change them when we feel like. Everything else in this document is pretty normal, but it's worth noting that the PlayStation Network is provided as is. They don't make any warranties that the thing will work. They disclaim implied warranties of merchantability and fitness for a particular purpose. I would do the same if I were drafting this contract for them. But your sole and exclusive recourse, if you've got a significant problem and you just can't get out of it, is limited to your direct damages, not for the items that you could have lost on your account or anything else that Sony could have done, but your unused funds in your wallet as of the date of termination. Not a lot of money in most instances. So Sony reserves all those rights. They updated these as of October 2020. We got this video done in about an hour, which is, of course, pretty summarized. We skipped through a lot of sections, as you could no doubt see if you watched this. But if you did watch this with us all the way through, I thank you very much. I don't want to give people the wrong impression. This document, in many respects, is very normal. Conceptually, it bears all the same concepts as the terms of service were before October of 2020. So they didn't really change overall what they were trying to get in terms of their rights and obligations and your rights and obligations. But they did make some significant tweaks to the language and to the structure of the document, some of which are from the prior version, but some of which are newly introduced. And all of which, as highlighted in this video, you should be aware of, if not concerned about. Because there are some significant rights that Sony has claimed, some significant ambiguities that Sony could base a termination on. And as a PlayStation fan myself, as somebody with a PlayStation 5 pre-order, hopefully on the way, depending on how November goes, 
I still look at these kinds of things and say, you know what? I hope more people can be aware of the terms as they exist because a lot of them are fundamentally unfair and really should be fought against at a user level. And hopefully this additional information was fun, exciting, educational, all those good things and give you the the arrows in your quiver to talk about these kinds of terms and conditions and what Sony and others are doing with them, uh, with your friends, family, and other PlayStation fans. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this, we are talking about these kinds of things, the business and law of things like video games, music, movies, television, other news stories, and things that you are excited about already through this hopefully interesting perspective of a corporate lawyer who talks about these kinds of things and is interested in them himself. If you like this, like, subscribe, share, tell folks that we are here, put us in forums where we can't get to. We love having conversations with new people that are discovering this channel, discovering this content. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.